You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to get you ready for Thursday night football coming up tomorrow between the Buccaneers and the Patriots with Andy Hart of Patriots.com and provide the latest edition of your fantasy fix. Brian, let's go around the league with Dominique Foxworth of ESPN. Dominic, thanks so much for taking the time. I happen to be in San Francisco today, so I was thinking about what Eric Reed of the 49ers said a week ago, and you'll recall Reed took a knee next to Kaepernick last year. Is Reed correct in saying that the original message of Colin Kaepernick's protest has been lost based on what we've been seeing recently at NFL stadiums? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely obvious that the message has been kind of changed a bit, and I mean, it's unfortunate to me. But I think it's also important to know that I guess Colin Kaepernick didn't doesn't necessarily own the idea of a anthem demonstration. Like it goes back to John Carlos and Tommy Smith, and and um, there have been some in the NBA. I think it's Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. I mean, all of those protests did have one thing in common: is that they were about um, addressing injustices. So I do think that while nobody owns the protests or the demonstration, it is unfortunate that it seems that the demonstrations have gone away from talking about fighting for equality and more about talking about uh, unity and and just doesn't seem to necessarily address what, what anybody, I mean, they're calling for unity and saying that, uh, I think David Carr said black kids and white kids can play together, like that doesn't necessarily accomplish anything. Not only does it, and it certainly distracts from uh, what Kaepernick was trying to bring attention to. And I mean, that that's that's the, the frustrating part of it all for me is, is seeing that everyone is, is doing the same thing from what we see, but yet when it comes down to what they're kneeling for, is is pretty tough. But I want to talk about the Tennessee Titans and what's going on there with their quarterback and Marcus Mariota. He's out, potentially. Uh, you have Matt Castle, who we've known struggled since he left New England, to now all of a sudden they end up grabbing Brandon Wheaton as opposed to even giving <laughs> yeah. Colin Kaepernick a chance. Back to Colin Kaepernick yeah. again. Give me a take on that, Dominique. And again, yeah. uh, glad to have you on the show, bro. Thanks for having me. But I'm not um... – if there was anybody out there who was holding out the belief that it was because Kaepernick can't play was the reason that he has a job, I think this is the final kind of straw to make that kind of official that he's out of the league because he took a knee and um, owners didn't like that because uh, there's no reason. Like, I, I'm not going to jump on um, Castle and Wheaton. Like, their records are out there um, and their play has been out there. But I do think that the major point here is his style of play, Kaepernick's style of play is – very similar to Marcus Mariota. So in order to kind of pick up where you left off and not miss a beat and run a lot of the same type of plays, I think Colin Kaepernick is is a smart choice. So it is unfortunate that I don't know what it is down there, if it's the fear of the backlash or it's just their own personal views of, of, of management down there. But it's unfortunate that they're putting those things ahead of giving what is a very good team with a great O-line. The defense is struggling, but they're talented. Uh, they're putting their kind of personal beliefs ahead of putting their team in the best position to win, and that will be frustrating for me as a player and, and as a fan. Dominic Foxworth of ESPN is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. 
Cordell loves it when I mention I'm a Stanford grad. I only bring it up because I'm a big fan of Richard Sherman personally and professionally. So I saw you on Highly Questionable this week discussing Sherman's observation that fantasy football may have caused some fans to view players as commodities in their lineup. For our listeners who didn't see the program, could you give us a few more thoughts on that item? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that Richard is right that players are viewed as commodities, but I don't think that that's new necessarily. Like Richard and I are, are good friends, but and we agree on a lot of things, but I disagree that fantasy football has done that. I think every Sunday that we sit down and watch the games and watch how, I mean, you can look at Junior Seau and, I mean, you can go through a long list of guys who we've experienced how bad CTE impacts them, and we all still go watch the game. So I think you kind of have to separate and dehumanize the players uh, to continue to watch the game. So I don't necessarily think fantasy football is the problem. I just think that part of it is it's just how how, we, how we're built as, as people. I think in order to enjoy a game that's so violent and so dangerous that there are cars out with a broken spine and uh, I think a fracture in the spine and um, the old lineman from Seattle who has a bruised heart. Like it's injuries that I've never even heard exist before. Like they happen to the players and we – they caught him off the field, and we keep watching. So I think the dehumanization of the players is something that's been going on for a long time. And fantasy football, I think, might bring to the forefront, but hasn't like created that culture. You played with the Baltimore Ravens, and understanding the culture of that of that organization was was derived around emotions. And 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 I say it in a way where it also brought passion to the table. You know, it all started with Ray Lewis and, and his approach with, with how guys need to play amongst one another. You you get a good thing going on defense for sure. It's almost like figuratively tasting blood. You just constantly keep attacking. Well, right now they're not playing that type of football. Last couple of weeks they've struggled. Uh, you hear Steve Bashotti mentioning about the quarterback position needs to play better. Give me your take on how this team looks, but mainly Joe Flacco and how his inability to be able to be the one uh, that we've seen play very well at times. He seemed like he's been pretty average as of lately. Yeah, I, I played with Joe. I, I liked him. I thought he was going to be a Super Bowl champion quarterback. That's something that uh, not very many people can say. And he had good stats on that run. But outside of that playoff run and a few um, games here or there, he hasn't been all that great. And this year has been very disappointing. I think the defense has been playing tremendously well, uh, with the exception of that London game. Things weren't pretty out there, but the defense has been playing well. But I, I don't know. It's I'm not the guy who's normally going to point the finger at, at players necessarily because I think far too many people in the media kind of take that easy route when there's so many other things going on. They just say, hey, this guy sucks, but there are other things that go into the, the equation. But Joe Flacco's been through quite a few offensive coordinators. So at some point, I, I think – we do have to look at him and wonder if it's something about his skill set in finding a match that works for him. But the problem with uh, trying to throw Joe under the bus is we do have evidence of him being a high-level NFL quarterback. He just can't do it consistently necessarily. So, I don't know. That's kind of where I stand on Joe. I I, I hope to see he gets back to um, to playing the way that he's played in the past. But that running game is also a big part of the problem. And they lost Marshall Yonder, who, in my opinion, is the best guard in the league. But even before they lost him, they weren't running the ball all that well last season or this season. And I think Joe is not an Aaron Rodgers type where you can just give him the ball and get out the way and he'll carry your team. He's somebody who needs some support. And if they can't put together a running game to help him, I think that he's going to have, have trouble. And the last time he was really good, I think it was um, Kubiak was the coordinator. They were able to run the ball with that zone scheme. So maybe that's something they should uh, entertain going back to. Dominic, last one for me. You've been the president of the NFL Players Association, then crossed over as the COO of the Players Association in the NBA. 
How would you describe the current state of labor relations in football? There was a meeting this week between the two sides to discuss social activism. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, uh, I wish that I could give you some great insight from being in uh, those organizations, but I know what everyone else knows is that relationship is is in peril. Like it's in a bad state. There's no trust between the two sides of the NFLPA and the league, and I think. Oftentimes, uh, the blame goes on D. Smith, executive director, and I think in some cases he deserves it, but uh, it also kind of takes two to tango. And I think some of the things that the league has done, and Roger specifically, the way that they've handled things, have kind of deteriorated the relationship. So, obviously, it seems as if neither of them are going going anywhere anytime soon, and I'm not one that thinks that either of them should necessarily, but I do think that it's it's bad. The current state of the relationship is bad for the players, and it's bad for the league. It's unfortunate that there can't be some way to build some sort of trust and, and move in a better direction because everyone will be happier from fans to players to ex-players, like more efficient um, collaboration between the two because they both need each other at this point. And if they could fix that, I think things will be better for everyone in the league. So, no, it's unfortunate. It's disappointing. And I don't know that I see a path to, towards it improving anytime soon. Dominic, we appreciate the time and the insights. We both enjoy what you're doing on ESPN to so keep it going. As we say goodbye, I read my academic resume a lot, and the Cordell pushbacks and says, hang on, Stanford's not even an Ivy League school. Can you explain to my dear friend that the Ivy League is merely an academic conference? Don't do it. Don't do it, Dominique. Don't do it. Don't yeah, fall in that trap, Dominic. Dominic's a Harvard guy, for folks who don't know. Okay. I'm Go always going to side with Cordell on this one. Uh, oh, he's absolutely right. <laughs> All right, Dominique, we're never having you on the show again. All right, Dominique. Good job, D. Call me when you go back to Cambridge in January, and I'm in Palo Alto at 75 and sunny, all right? All right, nice talking to you, Cordell. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Tune in puts you on the sidelines for the 2017 college football season free all year long. With college football on TuneIn, hear the home and away calls for more than 100 schools live, regular season matchups and rivalry games, conference championships and bowl games, the college football playoff in January. You can listen to it all for free. At home, on campus, or in rival territory, hear the excitement and pageantry of college football all season long, free on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's break down the Patriots as they get ready to take on the Buccaneers on Thursday Night Football with Andy Hart of Patriots.com Radio. Andy, thanks for taking the time. I know the Patriots don't say much publicly about injuries, but Rob Gronkowski now listed as questionable with a thigh issue. Do you think he's going to be a game-time decision tomorrow? No, I think he's going to play. Um, I haven't heard a lot about it internally, and, and you're right, that's no surprise, but they didn't really practice this week, so I'm finding it curious uh, how this even occurred. They basically just held walkthroughs, and then they get on the plane today to fly to Tampa, and to see him pop up on there um, is really pretty curious, uh, certainly for a guy who I think has been playing really well. You know, There's a lot of issues on the team right now in various areas. One of them is not Rob Gronkowski, but He's a guy you always fear the health issue. He's only a couple weeks removed from that groin injury in New Orleans. So um, it's certainly something to watch, but I think he should play. Andy, you mentioned various areas where there are some issues. 
Outside of the injuries, let's just talk about the defense, something that is, is extremely uncharacteristic of them, which is basically overall rated the worst defense in the National Football League. Do you see Bill Belichick being able to, to, to maybe change, uh, let's just say, the, the outlook or, or even the mindset of these players to get them back on point? I know it's just the first quarter of the season, and we've seen Bill Belichick teams adjust and make something happen, but is this a time to panic because of how, how bad things look? It's not a time to panic, but I do think this is an inter- interesting game. Um, you know, everybody, it's funny, everybody falls back on history. The Patriots get better, and, and they've struggled before, and they figure out a way to, to get it done. Um, well, Bill was the first one to tell us a month ago, you know, ignore history. You know, this is the 2017 Patriots. Just talk about this team. Well, if I just talk about this team, this team has a lot of questions. And, you know, listening to Devin McCourty yesterday, he held his weekly press conference um, I thought he sounded like a man who was um, concerned, you know, not, not confident that this was going to be fixed. It was almost like um, wonder in his voice, wondering, can we fix this? And all this talk about communication and Stephon Gilmore uh, and McCordy said flat out, he's never seen it this bad. And, you know, when he was talking about communication, it was, you know, Bill tells us, communication's a two-way street. One guy talks, one guy listens. There's no other way to do it, so I'm not sure what we can change. Um, this is this is an, a really interesting spot, and it's coming off a short week. You know, you have a couple walkthroughs, and then you've got to get on the plane and go to Tampa. I do think this is a little bit of a, a crossroads game early in the season, and if this team is going to get to where we all thought it would be, I think you have to find a way this week. You have to find a way to show your mettle and prove that the spot's not too big. It doesn't matter that it's a short week on the road. It doesn't matter that you could not have been any uglier on defense. You need to, whether it's going all man coverage, whatever it is, you've got to find a way to get it done because if you go down there and lose and you're two and three and really could have lost to Houston at home, um, you're looking up at the division, at the Bills and maybe the Jets. And I just think then you're going to have the panic button. I think the panic button is ready, and it won't be pressed until they lose tomorrow night, if they lose tomorrow night. Again, you said for Thursday Night Football, you'll hear it on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade right now. It's the Patriots and the Bucks. our weekly conversation with Andy Hart from Patriots.com Radio. Andy, we all read the same blogs. I don't love the word narrative. So what do you make of the storyline that's developing? Bill Belichick, the de facto GM of the Patriots, is limiting Bill Belichick, the head coach, based on his personnel decisions on defense. Yeah, every time the Patriots have any struggles, that is the story. It's come up endless times over the last decade or so. Um, anytime there's struggles, the coach can do no wrong and blame it on Belichick, the GM. Uh, and I don't really understand that because I think the coach, he's, he's a great coach. No one's going to take that from him. He screws up. You know, he's made bad decisions this year. I think he made a horrific decision on opening night when he started safety Jordan Richards, who most people thought had a chance to get cut, at linebacker. It blew up, and Richards hasn't really played since. Um, but I, I do think you have to look at the off season and the way this team was constructed, and it was aggressive, and they spent a lot of money, and they made big trades, and that isn't necessarily the way they've done it frequently. You know, they've had times. You know, certainly 07, they were very aggressive and they almost had an undefeated season out of it. But other times I think, you know, they usually talk about, oh, you don't, you know, 
people get overpaid if you dive into free agency early on. And, you know, they look for value in the second week and they like to develop from within and, and those types of things. Well, you look this year, they went out and brought in a lot of guys with questionable track records as winners, um, some talent, but did you overpay to get it in a Stefan Gilmore? So I, I think there were a lot of questions that we maybe glossed over. And he always tells us, and you know, I, I give him credit for this, that building a team is a mosaic. There's, there's a lot that goes into it, and it's not just fantasy football, and it's not the most talented team or the best team on paper. It's the right 53, and I think that's what people are questioning is the fit. And certainly the poster boy for that is, is Stephon Gilmore. You know, the $65 million contract, uh, he hasn't played well, but it goes well beyond that. I mean, anybody who watched the game last week, he's basically running across the field trying to cover somebody who doesn't exist when the guy he should be covering is, is on the backside zone, just running untouched for a touchdown. So um, it has gotten ugly over the last course of the week. Um, and yeah, that, I, I think it's an easy narrative, as you said, that Belichick, the GM lets Belichick, the coach down. That's way too simple. They both make mistakes. Both are, both are fallible. Um, but the way the team was constructed certainly um, deserves some focus at this point. Andy, when you when you think about how this this organization has done the interchanging uh, thing with with players and releasing guys at the right time for salary cap purposes and not wanting to give guys the big multi million dollar contracts that they want, especially players like the Chandler Jones. When you make moves like that, and not just Chandler Jones, a few other players, when you make moves like that, do you see it now finally catching up? Uh, with Bill Belichick when it comes down to his defense and, and their inability to be able to stop the run, which is something that we've always seen this team be able to do, and getting beat deep is something that we hadn't been able to see much from these from his defenses. Yeah, the biggest surprise is the big plays deep. There's no question. This team, you know, maybe the first tenet of, of sort of Patriots defense is not giving up the big plays. Make opposing quarterbacks and teams go 10, 12 dry, play drives to score. Then but don't break. You know, that's that goes all the way back to the very beginning of, of Belichick in 2000, 2001. Um, you know, but you're right. The, you develop young talent. I can remember a couple of years ago when they let Darrell Rivas go back to the Jets. Robert Kraft brought up the fact that, you know, you can't pay everyone. It's a salary cap league, and they had a lot of young core defensive players that were going to be coming up for contracts. And that was Chandler Jones. That was Dante Hightower. That was Jamie Collins. And that was Malcolm Butler. And we already, they traded Chandler Jones. They traded Jamie Collins in the middle of last year. They re-signed Dante Hightower, but not before he went on the free agent market. And it basically looked like other teams were scared to death of his injuries. And they, he sort of came back to them. Well, he's now missed two or four games due to injuries. And Malcolm Butler, every indication is this is going to be his last year in New England. They didn't want to pay him. That Maybe they were going to trade him this offseason. And they went out and got Stephon Gilmore. And, you know, we always wonder, A, talent-wise, how long can you play that game? Letting guys go, not paying guys. But now it's not only are you not paying your own guys, you are paying other guys that came from elsewhere. And that leaves a guy like Malcolm Butler, I think, wondering, well, what do I have to do to get mine, or am I never going to get mine? So I think there's the on-field, if you continue to turn over the young guys and let them go, at some point does the pipeline dry up a little bit? Yes, that has happened. They don't have enough talent at defensive line, at the edge of the defense, pass rushers. And you let two great front seven athletes and Jamie Collins and Chandler Jones go um, with not a ton to show for it. 
and that's a concern. But I think it also, you know, sort of the mentality of the team, how does that all work out there when you watch these guys that are supposed to be core players either trade it away or let them walk away? How does that, you know, resonate in the locker room? I think both of those could be factors early on this year. Andy, as always, we appreciate the information. Thank you for the visit. Enjoy the game tomorrow, and we'll chat with you next week on the NFL on TuneIn. Now, I hope you don't play too many cuts from our time at the Greenbrier in West Virginia where we spent the time wondering if the Patriots would go 19-0 and because that, by the week that sounds sillier and sillier. No, because I said <laughs> it, so I've gone back and cut all those remarks out of On Demand in the podcast. We're, we're okay, Andy. Perfect. I like it. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Case File True Crime Podcast dives deeply into cases from all over the world taking you on an in-depth, fact-based journey of some of the world's biggest crimes, and some you may never have heard of. Weekly, the podcast covers both solved and unsolved cases, and proves that fact is scarier than fiction. New episodes of Casefile True Crime Podcast will be available a week early, every Saturday afternoon Pacific Standard Time, only on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Brian, let's go around the league with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Now, it's time for NFL Network reporter Ian Rappaport. It's the rap sheet on the NFL on TuneIn. Ian, as always, we appreciate the time. Let's start with Andrew Luck, who gave the media some particulars about his shoulder procedure. What did we learn today? Uh, we learned that he had a posterior labrum repair, which was something we did not know. Those can sometimes take a little bit longer than uh, another kind of shoulder surgery. That was certainly interesting. And, um, you know, they spend so much time talking about there's no timetable, there's no timetable. Luck today said, well, yeah, there are specific goals with dates that we'd like to hit. We hit all of those. And he also said there are no setbacks, which is interesting because – you know, they had sort of hoped that he would be ready for the start of the regular season, and now it seems like he's probably looking at week seven maybe or week eight rather than week five or six to be on the field. You know, they had hoped week six. Doesn't seem like it's going to happen. So maybe it's week seven, but, you know, Andrew Luck practiced today. That is a big deal. Uh, It's a big deal. It doesn't mean he's ready. It doesn't mean he's going to play this week. He's not, but it is a very good sign that he was at least out on the field. When you don't have your marquee player on a team, uh, how does that make whether it be the trainers or the head coaches look when it comes down to the time in which he had to have this surgery? You thought it was enough time and end up not being and almost potentially costing his team the season to have an opportunity to compete within their division to, to maybe get back to a postseason. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing with, with this particular injury. You know, we have media have spent a lot of time on it, as we should, because it is the kind of thing that dramatically and drastically alters a season. I mean, first of all, they traded away a former first-round pick to get a quarterback who was merely competent enough to be behind center. So that's one dramatic change. You know, I don't know if uh, Philip Dorsett would be contributing there or not, but they traded away a first-rounder to get a quarterback because luck can't go. I think that's one thing. The other thing is, you know, Chuck Pagano is in a very serious, real season. Uh, he's having to fight for his job without luck being out there. I mean, that's that's a big deal as well. And, um, you know, then the other part of it is why didn't he have surgery, you know, as soon as the season was over for um, for the Indianapolis Colts? I mean, maybe he would have been ready now. Uh, they thought he didn't need it. Turns out they thought he did. 
Now, obviously, surgery was the right call, but, you know, there were a lot of decisions made and a lot of lives and jobs riding on this one shoulder for Andrew Luck. Uh, and it's, you know, probably not going to be out in the field until probably week seven at least. Ian Rappaport, NFL Network, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Ian, I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area today and using the unscientific analysis of Sports Talk Radio. Raider fans are losing their minds that Derek Carr has gone down with a back injury, but based on conversations you're having, how much internal confidence do the Raiders have that E.J. Manuel can at least hold things together? They do have some confidence. Well, two things about it. First of all, they do think it's going to be a one-week situation um, for Derek Carr. We'll see. You know, everyone's different, but Cam Newton, Tony Romo, both had the exact same injury. Both missed just one week. So at least there's some confidence there that it's going to be just a week and that's it. The other thing is, you know, they, they have Connor Cook. They draft him to be the backup quarterback. And E.J. Manuel came in this year and beat him out, um, which is not a great sign for Connor Cook, but he's not the one playing. You know, it's E.J. Manuel this week. He's a first-round talent, drafted in the first round. Um, and at the least, they think he can go out and execute a game plan. You know, he's not going to be as good as Derek Carr, but – He's probably going to have Michael Crabtree out there, and you know we'll see what difference it makes. Um, if they can hang tough and hang in there and win, then this will be a team in good shape. Otherwise, you know they'll be under five hundred and behind the eight ball a little bit. Ian, when you think about the Dallas Cowboys, this was a team that I think most may have said uh, they were going to come this come in this season with the mindset that they're going to try to make a bigger push. Uh, to do something special because it's pretty much the same guys coming back. But Dak Prescott and, and, and Des Bryant look like they've struggled trying to connect. Uh, have you heard anything of what's the problem or if this continues, what can happen to this offense if they don't actually end up getting their stuff together, become one of the marquee connections in the game? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I would say Dak has played fine. Um, you know, maybe Zeke had a little bit of a slower start and they played some good defenses and whatever, but – I think Dez is an interesting question. You know, he's been targeted a lot. He's, I think, catching 40% of the balls he's been targeted on. That's really bad. Um, and, you know, this is a guy who's supposed to be one of your best players. And, you know, it's really not gathering the intention that I think it probably should. Um, but your best player's got to be the guy who's performing out there on Sunday. And at this point, Dez Bryant is not. Uh, he's definitely got to get better. And let's wrap it up in Tennessee since the Titans have added Brandon Whedon as the backup potentially behind Matt Castle. How concerned are the Titans about Marcus Mariota's hamstring injury heading into the game against Miami? They are definitely cautious. He practiced today but didn't do very much at all. Um, It sounds like they're going to make sure he's out of harm's way, which, you know, sometimes can mean it's going to be the backup quarterback out there. Um, I don't think it's a long-term injury. I think he's got a chance to play Sunday, but... You know, maybe it's a situation where you see the backup for one week and then when Mariota returns, he's full strength. Ian, great information as always. We appreciate the time, and we'll chat with you on Sunday on NFL First and Goal. All right, sounds good. Look forward to it. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Get to know your favorite artists on Fireside Chat. Join yours truly, Anthony Valadez, and DJ Reflex to hear today's most compelling artists tell behind-the-scenes stories, personal tales, and inspirational moments. Toronto MC Jazz Cartier stops by and discusses how living in the Middle East has shaped his world perspective. Living in Kuwait, one of my favorite places to live. I went in with, like, an expectation, or, you know, but then I went there, and it, and it was just, like, one of the most peaceful places I've ever been to in my life. It's all on Fireside Chat, exclusively on TuneIn. 
Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We roll on on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now it's time for the Fantasy Fix with Dennis Farrell of Fantasy Football Geekly. Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans. Makes him off to the 30. He's gone. He's gone. What a move. It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. And he goes to the near side, and it's picked off. Intercepted. From the fantasy heroes. Down the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the fantasy, fantasy fix. Today, we're pleased to be joined by Dennis Farrell from Fantasy Football Geekly. Dennis, thanks for taking the time. Let's start with Cam. Two weeks ago, the general conversation Sounded like this. What's wrong with a former league MVP coming back from the shoulder procedure? Then he had the breakout game last week at Gillette Stadium. What's the outlook moving forward? You know, I don't hate him going forward. I still have him ranked in the top ten. He's going up against a surprisingly good Detroit defense. Uh, look, Cam Newton's going to have his up and downs. He always has. Any fantasy owner has him knows that he can have a 30-point game. He can have a 10-point game, and you've seen it this season. He's bouncing back, but I think if he can survive Detroit, put up a good 16-17, to 17, the outlook's pretty good the rest of the season. Philadelphia, Chicago, Tampa Bay, Atlanta, and Miami, you can ride a pretty decent streak of 20-plus games right there. Dennis, when you look at uh, Tyler Eifert, he's out. Tyler Croft had a big game for the Bengals. Is he worth picking up? I'm a little bit worried. He's got some knee injuries that have been lingering since preseason. Now he's bothered by a neck. I kind of have him as a low-end tight end, especially with a couple decent tight end matchups coming up. You know, Austin Severian Jenkins could be a sleeper tight end this week that you might want to take a look at instead. We react emotionally when it comes to fantasy football, in part because pride's on the line. You want to win your championship. So what would you tell fantasy owners saying, I got to pick up Wayne Gullman based on what he did for the Giants last week in Tampa Bay. Pump your brakes a little bit. As much as I like him, this is not a very good matchup for him going forward this week. I actually have him ranked just outside the top 30 in my ring. Actually, it's a great matchup against the Chargers. But after that, there are other players that you might want to look at. Wendell Smallwood, Latavius Murray. Uh, maybe Isaiah Correll or Duke Johnson, who's been kind of sneaking around on some waiver wires out there. But I do like him a little bit more than Alex Collins, who has some fumbling problems, which might cost him the job. So don't give up on uh, Javarius Allen there just yet. And Aaron Jones, who's everybody's rushing out to pick up. But Ty Montgomery's starting to practice with those broken ribs, and I think that's going to cut into Aaron Jones if Ty Montgomery plays. But Goldman. Uh, you know, you pick him up now. He, he, he's got that name by you where you could probably wrap him up in a deal. Uh, he's got Denver, Seattle next. You might want to be a little bit cautious. i got to see him do it one more time before I throw him in my lineup. Uh, at this point, do you bump the value of any player facing the Browns? Absolutely. The Browns give up the second most points to the tight ends, and they're playing the Jets, Austin Safari, and Jenkins. They have fourth against quarterbacks, 16th against running backs, so I'll be a little bit worried about Jets running back this week. But they give up the second most points to the defense, which if the Jets are sitting on your waiver wire and you have a team on the bye, the Jets' defense might be very sneaky here. Fantasy Fix today being provided by Dennis Farrell from Fantasy Football Geekly. 
Dennis, let's talk about another running back situation in Philadelphia. No Darren Sproles broke his arm tore his ACL same play a couple weeks ago. How much are you buying LeGarrette Blunt now, considering I think we all went wild coming away from that one magnificent run he had on the road against the Chargers last week? You said it all right there. One magnificent run that, that really set up a, a good day for him. He only had four extra carries than he has on the norm. He has put up double-digit fantasy points in three of the first four games. But you look at his schedule going forward, and I'm a little bit worried about him production-wise. And you'll hope for goal line carries. Arizona, Carolina, Washington, who surprisingly has an amazing defense this season. San Francisco is a good matchup. They put seventh in the league in fantasy points against running back. Denver, then the bye week. So he'll be a little excited, but he's got a rough road ahead. So does Smallwood. So I might be a little bit worried and if you got another option, maybe one or two of these games, if he's not getting in the end zone, he doesn't have a ton of value against a run-heavy good defense. Moving forward, would you rather have Ezekiel Elliott, who you know I, I really love a lot, or Ty Gurley? You know what? I'm glad you asked this question because I get this one a lot. You know, you'd be shocked to find out that Gurley only has 85 more rushing yards than Zeke. It, it, you say that with 10 more carries, but Zeke's getting in the end zone, or Gurley's getting in the end zone right now. Zeke's not, and Gurley's very prominent in the passing game. He leads the Ravens in targets right now, and that's going to continue. And I, I feel like the end zone's going to continue. Zeke's going to struggle. Zeke's not a bad guy to have, but you're not going to get him cheap, and I'm not trading Tard Gurley for Zeke Elliott anytime soon. And we still have one more hurdle that we should hear about this week, whether Zeke plays the rest of the season or not. And when it comes to fantasy football, Peace of mind is always something that I kind of want to have with my running backs. And you don't have that right now with Ezekiel Elliott, at least this week. Dennis, last one for me. What is going on with Demarius Bebe Thomas in Denver, and would you continue to ride with him? Not at all. This guy has uh, – he's always had stone hands. But when Peyton Manning's throwing to you, it kind of makes things a little bit easier. He doesn't have Peyton Manning throwing. And we're starting to see the, the Demarius Thomas that he really is. He's been just dropping passes left and right, not getting targeted a ton. I think he had got one out of five targets last week. This is a guy I'm not just, I'm not going to drop because there's always one sucker in the league that will pay name value for a guy like Demarius Thomas and Amari Cooper. And if there's not a guy in your league, it's you. So be careful if someone's offering you those two wide receivers because they think you're a sucker. Dennis, what have you learned about Tom Brady um, and him using Brandon Cook and Chris Hogan? You know, Hogan's value is always murky, especially with Danny Amendola. He's said it many times. He trusts Amendola. I think he likes him a little bit more. Hogan and Amendola, though, they seem to cancel each other out. You can't go wrong at a flex play, but we all know about the Patriots. You cannot trust any one guy but Tom Brady. Running backs, wide receivers, and now you've got Gronkowski with this injury. I think it helps Hogan's value and Amendola going forward if this seems to hamper him. But, uh, you know, we're just waiting for that one Gronk broken leg to put him out for the rest of the season anyways, which it seems like he is a master of bad luck for fantasy owners. If I'm a Gronk owner, I'm looking to trade him before anything gets worse. But going back to Hogan, I, I think he's all right, but, Anything more than five catches is PPR league. That's the only time you have value. Standard leagues, I'm shying away from those two guys. 
Dennis Strong debut. We appreciate the information. TuneIn is a global brand. Got a tweet from a listener in Australia yesterday. What should our inter- international audience know about Fantasy Football Geekly? You know, I try to have a lot of my celebrity friends on. You know, if you've seen HBO Veep, HBO's Veep, I have a couple of those guys on to talk fantasy football. Super Troopers or Bear Fest, I have a couple of those guys that come on. Uh, we're not too nerdy. It's more conversational-based, and we try to entertain. You can get boring numbers anywhere, but not a ton of entertaining fantasy football talk, and I try to provide that. Outstanding, and I appreciate the name. That's creative as well. Thank you, Dennis. We'll chat with you soon on the NFL on TuneIn. Thanks, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Here we go. Come and hang out with Herdwell Radio, the only 24-7 radio station curated by social influencers for the fans they love. From morning tunes to afternoon blues, we've got you covered. That's what we do. That's who we be. Check out our station for exclusive interviews with top trending creators and new emerging artists. We also have in-studio acoustic sessions, live events, and so much more. What are you waiting for? Check out Herdwell Radio today for the best in music and entertainment. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for our weekly power rankings. The five teams we are more than sure are better than the rest. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. Cordell, buckle up. Before I start projecting, here's a preview. Neither of the teams that played in the Super Bowl a year ago are in my top five. At number five, we're making history. We haven't been on the air for a quarter century, but we've had a good run so far. Never have we mentioned the Buffalo Bills. They haven't made it to the playoffs since 1999. They haven't sniffed our power rankings. That all changes today. Buffalo, 3-1, and one, coming off comprehensive victories over Denver and Atlanta last week on the road in the state of Georgia. You might mention Julio Jones was banged up. You might mention Mohamed Sanu went down with an injury. Doesn't matter. The Bills are legit, and they're going to keep it going on Sunday. They're on the road at Cincinnati. I got them at number five this week. They could be rising. Number four, the Philadelphia Eagles. You might have scoffed a week ago when I told you they were the fifth best team in all of football. I'm moving them up a slot in part because of what they did a week ago on the road in L.A. Yes, it was a narrow victory, but LeGarrette Blunt finally came alive. He simply would not go down, weaving his way across the field. And you have to factor in the schedule on Sunday. Philadelphia hosting the Arizona Cardinals. They're going to win that game, part of a larger trend for the next five games at home for the Eagles at number four. Here is the swerve. There is no second best team in all of football. I have two teams tied at number three. I'm going to ram it. Do it with me. The L.A. Rams, statistically, the best offense in all of football. Jared Goff playing at a high level. Todd Gurley turning back the clock, playing better than he did when he earned Offensive Rookie of the Year honors looks like he was playing 
back in the day between the hedges at Georgia. And the Packers, all I have to point out is my standard refrain. Doesn't matter if he has his starting tackles. Doesn't matter if he has Ty Montgomery. If you have Aaron Rodgers, you have a chance because he's the best quarterback in all of football. So no second best team this week. Packers and Rams tied for third. Chiefs number one as the lone undefeated. Back to you. That was pretty good. I like how you threw some new faces in there and had it with a little grace. And, you know, you just feeling good about your about your Rams. And I love them, too, actually. I mean, the highest scoring off the team, not the offense, high scoring team in the National Football League. But I have to give them one more week before I throw them in the top fives because that's an elite class when it all said and done. Because you want to you want to have a little bit more. Uh, to really have something to stand on when it comes to, I would say, the Rams. But you can't deny them. They are playing some really, really good football. But not num- my number five team, you may not like it. I'm going with the Cheeseheads. Yes, I said the Cheeseheads. In the Green Bay Packers, they're the number five team. I saw them play against the Seattle Seahawks team. They played well, struggled just a little bit, but end up coming away with the victory, of course, because of Seattle's inability to play great. The Falcons, they end up losing that game. They went in overtime against a Bengals team that we've seen struggle uh, partially throughout this year. And, of course, we saw what they did to the Cleveland Browns. So I give the Packers the number five spot just out of respect of understanding they're playing with less because of injuries, but I keep them at number five. My number four team, I'm going with the king of the jungle. I'm going with the Lions. I'm going with the Detroit Lions, like I said. This defense has been playing phenomenal football, to say the least. They get after the quarterback. The quarterback on their side of the football does an outstanding job. We saw Tate, actually Golden Tate, end up going down on the ground with his knee and actually having the ball actually going across the line almost simultaneously, but they end up doing the instant replay and seeing that they had to call that play back. Team was on the brink of being 4-0. I think they're playing a the type of football that is second to none when it's all said and done in the end. And what about this Denver Broncos team? Let's talk about the defense. Allowing only 2.4 yards per rush and 50.8 yards rushing per game throughout the first four games of the season. Who else is playing better defense than this Denver Broncos team. I think Vance Joseph, the new head coach of this team, has come in and brought the defensive mentality to the table, which now has caused this defense not just to run to stop the run. Saw what they did against my Dallas Cowboys and Zeke Elliott and Dak Prescott, the boys with the stars. They're not in my top five, but you saw what that defense did. Nine rushes for eight yards. I think that team and the Denver Broncos, led by in Vance, we trust Vance Joseph. I give them the third spot because of how well they play. And also, the offense is playing very comparable to what they're doing on the defensive side, which is very physical football, to say the least. The Steelers, they're having issues. I see that Ben Roethlisberger is trying to play the front office, the head coach, the owner, and the quarterback of this football team by saying whatever he chooses to say. But you know what? It worked because Antonio Brown went to Twitter and apologized to America and said, I'm sorry for being a distraction. Antonio Brown, keep being passionate. Don't lose your fire for the game in a defense is playing as good as they can play as of right now. Passing game is not where everyone in Pittsburgh wants it to be, but I think it's good enough to be 3-1 and one right now, which I think will cause them to be a team to be reckoned with as they move forward when it comes down to Le'Veon Bell actually knocking down the ball to become one of the best, if not the best back in the game. Have to stay healthy though. But I have the Pittsburgh Steelers at number two. And last but not least, and the home of the Chiefs, 
How about those Kansas City Chiefs, baby? You have Justin Houston, who is continuing to be a force to be reckoned with, especially in the latter part of the game, whether it's tipping balls for interceptions or even scooping and running for touchdowns at the end of the last game to help this team actually beat a Washington Redskins team that's on their way to being pretty darn good if they continue this trend of good football. And offensively, Alex Smith, number 11, I think he's just taken the world by storm because of how efficient he's been, how good He's actually running the offense. How about the kid Kareem Hunt? He's steadily being steady. How about the kid Tariq Hill? Yeah, he had a little slight little slight little tweak in the hammy. But what is he doing? He's getting it down. He's putting it down with the boogie down. And my man Travis Kelsey, the best dancer in the end zone when it comes down to getting it done. I love this Kansas City Chiefs. One more time. And the home of the Chiefs. So at number five, I have the Cheesehead, the Packers. I have the Lions, the Roar, the King of the Jungle, Detroit Lions. I have the Broncos, the Dunkin'. They're only allowing people to do only so much. 2.4 yards per rush, 50.8 yards per game. That's pretty darn impressive. And the black and yellow, they have problems, but they're steadily getting it done. And last but not least, yours truly, not me, Alex Smith. He's throwing the football down the field, Brian. Back to you at number one. Well done. I can't quibble too much. And we only have two minutes because Ian Rappaport of NFL Network waits for no man. If you look at week-by-week performance, who has better wins? Buffalo or Pittsburgh? I think you would concede it's the Bills. Um, week no. by week, beating Denver and beating Atlanta, Atlanta on the road. Well, I, I still give it to the Steelers because this is a team that actually can handle themselves in this position. You wonder if this is an aberration for the Buffalo Bills. But Coach Frazier's defense is tenacious, only allowing what? 13, I think 37 points in the game before they end up playing Atlanta Falcons, which is like, what, 12 to 13 points a game? Pretty darn good. And actually went into the Mercedes-Benz Dome and actually took a victory away from a team uh, that actually forced the quarterback and Matt Ryan to put up two more interceptions, which forced him to have two, matter of fact, five INTs in two weeks. I like what you're saying. But I'm, I got to give them a little bit more time. The jury's out on them, similar to what I said about the Rams. I need a little bit more before I throw them in the top five that soon because the Steelers, I think, is a much better football team if they have to go head-to-head. So I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers at the number two spot. I understand, and some of it's a balancing act between projection, forecasting, and snapshot, real-time analysis. We got to wrap it up. My man, you were riffing. You were freestyling. You also gave us a timeless Cornellism. I take notes. Kareem Hunt is steadily being steady. <laughs> you like that? Steadily being steady. Pretty good, huh? <laughs> freestyling and doing it right while I'm wilding. How at you, boy. You know you know me. Yeah, that's how it goes, baby. You know? I mean, hey. Say it again. What did I say? You wrote it down too, didn't you? <laughs> of course I did. I could show it to you right here on Skype. Steadily being steady. Steadily so, being steady, baby. So you're baby. saying he's steady. Oh, he's so steady. It's unbelievable. He's steadily being steady, though. You know how sometimes people are steady and they fall off a little bit? No, he's steadily being steady. Back to you. That's a, that's probably what you got in Stanford. You're double talking. It's all right. Have Thank you. Well, I remember it's you radio. Took that, it's radio we talk. It's, you it's took talk that class talk. in rhetoric, and, and yeah. you have steadily been steady every step of the way. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.